WNST, Towson, Baltimore, and Baltimore Positive. We are positively taking the Maryland Crab Cake Tour all over Maryland. It's all brought to you by the Maryland Lottery in conjunction with our friends at Goodwill, Window Nation, and the Restaurant Association of Maryland, who has uh, told me they're going to fatten me up even before we get to Restaurant Week in September. We're doing 31 crab cakes, 31 breweries in 31 days for my 31st anniversary in Baltimore Radio, and uh, just in time for crab season. I tell you what, it's been a little while since I've talked about the cannabis industry uh, and what's going on. Lots of legislation, lots of things happening here, lots of moving parts. And I would say over the last five years or so, so much has changed. So I do love having experts in the space on the program. We're welcoming in uh, two experts in this space. And I big appreciation our friends at KO for putting this together. Mackie Barch is a CEO. He's going to say he's the chief cannabis uh, officer at Calta, Maryland-based cannabis firm here. If you're familiar with downtown, I lived right around the corner. It was the first dispensary to sort of pop up around the corner from where I lived on Key Highway a number of years ago. Christina Johnson is a cannabis entrepreneur and CEO of Standard Wellness Maryland, one of the most recent licensees awarded here in Maryland. And she is uh, representing a minority-owned cannabis firm, which I think was a big, big issue uh, and a member of CanMed, CanMD. Uh, we welcome you both in. How are you guys uh, today? Uh, happy summer to both of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Having. Well, I would just say this uh, for, for both of you. Let, and I always go backwards with this when it comes to the cannabis marijuana space. Ten years ago, did you think you'd be here now? Let's start with you, Mackie. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, 10 years ago, I was running a small pharmaceutical company and was focused on the more regulated side of, of the medical space and could not have imagined that I'd be in this space today. Christina, how about you? Where were you 10 years ago? Yeah, 10 years ago, I was running an affordable housing organization and developing and redeveloping properties. And so I would say, no, this is a far cry from real estate development and affordable housing development. So no, I didn't expect to be here at all. Uh, I am guilty as charged of flying to places like Colorado a number of years ago and seeing the little green plus signs uh, up and down the highway and saying, hey, I bet that's going to come here one day and I bet somebody's going to make a lot of money on that. Um, Mackie, I'll start with you because I, I, I think Calta may have been the first place that I saw that that I was like, oh, that's going to be one of those, right? You know, like, oh, look at that right around the corner from my house, um, right at the harbor, you know, right behind the science, like all of that. Tell me about the first time it came to you and saying, you're going to work in the cannabis space and uh, all the things that, uh, you know, that uh, we, we saw 100 years ago, the last 100 years of a stigma and you being in the pharmaceutical space, knowing that this is where this is going to be positioned. Give me your journey way to being the chief cannabis officer called them. Yeah, I, I actually started off um, as a city council member in Kensington, Maryland, and I had pretty good political connections in Annapolis, and I had caught wind of the fact that a license application was coming up in 2014. Um, from there, I had contacted a friend of mine uh, that was a lobbyist in Annapolis and became acquainted with a prominent Maryland family. We decided to, to put in a license application in 2015. Ended up becoming successful, coming in number two in that round of 15. 
Um, and from there, just, you know, have built amazing organization of men and women. Uh, our cultivation is located in Cambridge, Maryland. We absolutely love being in Cambridge. Um, and then I'll be in Cambridge in two weeks having a crab cake at Crab <laughs> Odyssey. So there, and a beer at RAR, the whole deal, man. Well, we're, we're great friends with the guys at RAR. And well, come have a beer with me then. That's what we uh, need to do. If I'm in town, I would absolutely love to do that. And so obviously, as you mentioned, our uh, dispensary is on Key Highway. And we just love being in Baltimore. We love being in the state of the Maryland. And our market in Maryland is a fantastic one. Everybody in the, in the industry should be really proud of what we've accomplished over the last eight years. Christina, for you, uh, give me your journey into this because you, were, you weren't even in the pharmaceutical space. You were doing something completely different. When this you know, opportunity, idea, concept comes to an entrepreneur like yourself to say, yeah, that's going to be something. I mean, not even federally reg- regulated. When I'm out in Colorado, it's a cash business, like the whole deal as to whether banks would ever support this. Um, give me your journey away, Christina. Yeah. So I think mine started a little after Mackey's in 2017. Like Mackey, I was pretty well connected um, in the state. And I think that's probably consistent for a lot of folks who are successful, at least on the licensing side of the business. Um, They stay on top of legislation or proactive with business. And so um, anyway, I had someone encourage me, a mentor encourage me to sort of look into the space. And I started looking at the financial modeling and forecasting. And I thought, this is really fascinating. And then I also looked at, um, you know, sort of the, the social equity programs across the U.S. that were rolling out, especially out in California and Oakland. And thought that's pretty fascinating, too. My dad was a fairly large criminal defense attorney in the district. And so, you know, he represented some fairly large um, folks in the drug trafficking space, <laughs> believe it or not. And um, sort of this restorative justice concept that was rolling out across the U.S. and then also sort of um, eliminating the stigma of what cannabis is and can be as a medicinal product was really interesting to me. So I, you know, I jumped in some courses. I traveled across the U S went to several different States to look at facilities. I had a great mentor, um, who was over at holistic, who was a friend and introduced me to a lot of folks. I got to know a little bit about the business and then caught wind, obviously, in early uh, 2018 of legislation that was House Bill 2 that would potentially be moved um, to provide additional opportunities, incentives and incentives for minorities and women to enter into the space, in particular in cultivation and processing put a team together, got some amazing partners, looked at what other other folks in the market like Mackey had already done um, and decided to sort of jump in. I would say feet first. It's more like head first in the cannabis space, though. Um, Don't you have to jump head first? I mean, to some degree, five years ago, it didn't exist. The laws, how it's done, how they're doing it, best practices. None of this existed 10 years ago at all, not even in Colorado, right? No. How this was going to be a business, how it was going to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, so there was some, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, I think we have, and Mackie can speak to this because he came out of pharma. I think we've got some amazing people who have transitioned into the space from pharma or from consumer packaged goods, from the agricultural space that lend a lot of knowledge. But yes, everything is developing. And I think that's what makes this really fun and interesting. Mackie, for you and, and, and getting involved in this, and you said number two and where do you get the institutional knowledge when there's no institution, right? I mean, I, you know, well, I guess there was a million different ways to do this. Anybody that's walked into dispensaries and seen they're all sort of different in some way conceptually. And now, 
it's a real industry, right? It's, it's becoming way more mature. Yeah. Well, so I think there's two pieces to that. There's one is retail and kind of retail is retail. I think the more complicated piece of this is actually the cultivation and manufacturing. And I mean, quite frankly, we get all of our knowledge from the illicit market. And you've seen a migration of people coming out of the illicit market into the regulated market, which is the whole point of regulating this this, this plant, which is we don't want people in the shadows and we want to create pathways for people to, you know, to, to make legitimate wages, pay taxes, um, and live a life above board. And, and so, have a safe product. Yep, have a safe product. Patient safety is obviously key. You know, we need everything tested and regulated. And so, you know, what we've really learned from people at the illicit market, we've given them a pathway to come into the legalized market and teach us. And what we give back um, is, is really corporate structure and a pathway to a career. And so we've really, we really got to try to find this balance between really solid corporate fundamentals, regulation, patient safety, and horticulture. And, and I think that, um, you know, we're still as, a, as an industry in a nascent stage and we're still kind of learning and growing, but it's becoming more and more professional. And I think even over the last couple of years, we're finally starting to see traditional corporate people start to come into the space. Um, and so it's been a long road, but we're really starting to hit that nexus of being a legitimate industry. And hopefully we'll start to see some movement at the federal level over the next couple of years. Mackie Barch is here. He is the chief cannabis officer at Calta. You may know of them uh, from around if uh, if you do have a card or if you're downtown. Christina Johnson is a, a cannabis entrepreneur and the CEO of Standard Wellness in Maryland. Uh, both of them here uh, on behalf of our friends at KO and just talking a little bit about where the industry is headed. Christina, you, you mentioned incarceration and stigma and just what's going on in this country over the last 50 years, specifically uh, incarcerating people of color and in regard to the war on drugs and all of that. Um, I'm doing lottery stuff here where we're talking about not just MGM having a casino or not just certain people or certain wealth to be able to, to be involved in this. This pathway for people of color, women, minorities, for anybody that may have not have had wealth before this to say, I can be in this industry for you. Um, the incarceration part and your dad and you saying, Hey, this is, this is something that used to put people in jail. And I'm friends with Eugene Monroe play for the Ravens. who's also in the space. And I know when I've talked to him coming out of New Jersey, where he came from, th there's a big part of that. I think that that's sort of missing from the rest of people who were not involved in getting incarcerated over a plant. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, Mackie brought up a good point about the illicit market and the ability to learn from that space and the people that, are, that were in that market or what is now called to or referred to as the black market or the gray market. But like marijuana has been used as a healing agent since the beginning of time. I mean, it was first documented as medicine back in back before the birth of Christ, 2900 BC in China. And so in fact, up until maybe, I don't want to get these dates wrong, Mackie, I think it's around like the 60s or so, it was actually legal in the United States for, for many, many years. And so it's a relatively new thing for it to be illegal in America. Um, and, and so, you know, I think we have in this country a history of over-incarcerating people of color. That's for sure. Um I think that the cannabis sector, however, it really, really embraces diversity and equity. I think that the people in it really get that. And it is not just a color or race issue. I think it's a function of having the best people at the table with the most experience. And so because of that, because this is emerging into to Mackie's point, a nascent sector, 
the smartest people in this sector want whoever that is. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they come. We want folks that are smart, that are able to get to the table, uh, produce great ideas, great solutions, have you know savvy business experience, strong financial backgrounds, or agricultural and you know cultivation backgrounds. Any and all of the talent that is the greatest. That's what we want in the sector, and we want folks that like love the plant, love the medicinal healing properties, and just sort of want to get to it. We also don't want to create barriers um, in this space to sort of having and building a great sector. And I think we create barriers when we create distinctions. And so I think generally speaking, Maryland and the sector just really wants to reduce the barriers so we can get great people into the sector to build it so that it's strong and sustainable. Mackie, tell me about CanMD, because I I guess for you guys, both being members and being a part of this, that in any uh, food fight, there's usually a food fight, right? Like you come Mm -hmm. in first to the gold, who gets what, where are we? And then you're like, oh, it's not all mine. It's an industry. We we all kind of have to be in this together. You were one of the first to get here. And I've talked to others that were the initial leaders here, understanding that there's going to be more people and that there's literally going to be an us and a them when it comes to going to Annapolis and getting things done for your industry. Um, Talk to me about all the legislation and where we are here, because I think for most people on the street, there's just just wake me when it's legal. You know, like it's going to be legal everywhere eventually. But but where are we with getting cards, doctor's appointments, pricing, taxes and more than that? How's Annapolis doing with this now that we are online four or five years into this? Well, that was a mouthful. Let me see if I can address. uh, most. Sure. Go for it. I do that around here. Yeah. So first of all, CanMD was founded by four organizations, uh, SudMed Growers, Curio Wellness, um, uh, 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 Culta, um, and I'm forgetting one other organization. And At least you remembered your own in the yeah, end. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's, been, it's been a long time. Um, and when we first got started, it was out of necessity. We had had a lawsuit that was filed against us um, because of... Uh, some issues relative to the initial round of licensing. So we had to defend the, we had to defend the industry and had we not defended the industry, the industry would have been shut down. So from there, we started kind of having an open tent, inviting all the growers, all the processors to join our organization because our fundamental role was to help the legislature understand this new space. There's a lot of misinformation about this space. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding relative to the profitability of these businesses. These businesses are taxed under something called 280E in the IRS tax code, which is effectively treats us as an illicit enterprise. We can't write off anything with these businesses. So how a normal business would write off payroll and they'd write off a lot of their expenses. The only thing that we can write off is is our cost of goods sold. And so it really has a disproportionate impact on dispensaries, has a major impact on all other operating businesses. So it's not really the panacea that a lot of people think it is. And so we spend a lot of time working in the legislature to try to get them to understand the idiosyncrasies of this industry, like you brought up banking, like you brought up payroll services, anything that touches the federal networks, whether that's sending a wire, a payroll company, insurance, banking, we can't use those services. And so what I tell everyone is we end up using C-grade vendors for almost everything, and then we have to pay the cannabis tax, which is this, you know, we pay 20% more for everything, and we get- Well, what did, stop, cannabis tax. Tell me about tax and money, because the whole idea here, not just 
We're not going to incarcerate people and all that. But this is going to be a good thing for our society that we're going to generate funds that are going to make potholes better. Right. I mean, that was the, the, the nature of this seven or eight years ago. Right. That's correct. And so basically what we're trying to do um, is pull things out of the illicit market, have a nominal tax so that we can use that tax to direct those dollars for communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And that's really what we've been focused on here in Maryland is how to return some of that equity back to the communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And so it's an exciting time because the illicit market doesn't obviously pay anything back in taxes. And so it's important to tax, regulate and test these products and bring them into the light so that we know that consumers are getting a safe product. I love how you put that. And that, to me, that's the punchline. They, they, on the street, nobody's paying any taxes. At least we've got this thing, as I would say, when my lottery friends, we talk about sports wagering, yep. which came online after you, right? That yep. it's on the up and up. We just want it to be on the up and up. Christina Johnson is here. Uh, Mackie Barch is here. Uh, we're talking about uh, CanMD and we're talking about cannabis. Christina, for, for you with legislation and what's going to change, let's look over the hill here over the next 18, 24 months for cardholders, for non-cardholders, for people that have been other places where the laws are different or maybe you can just walk in what do you envision in 24 25 26 what's it going to look like here in 36 months um well i'm going to tell you what i think it's going to look like and what i hope that it looks like i think on the federal side you know you've got safe banking that's on the forefront of everybody's mind schumer uh just proposed some legislation i think that that will be moving possibly but definitely safe banking i think within the next two years is going to pick up some traction. Um, and I, and to Mackie's point, I think that that would be a good thing. I think that that will allow all of the existing operators to function in a much more normal way, consistent with how other businesses function. It'll reduce risk in terms of moving, you know, cash, uh, from, from location to location, it'll give us the ability to have improved services across the board. And hopefully it'll also enable access to capital for smaller businesses in the space and sector. Um, in Maryland, you know, the General Assembly concluded around April, there were a lot of adult use and medical cannabis bills introduced at the start of the session, um, but only House Bill 1 and House Bill 837, which were sponsored by the House Judiciary Chair uh, Delegate uh, Luke Clippinger, they were the only successful adult use bills that passed. And then I think Senate Bill 788 was the only successful medical cannabis bill that reached the finish line before the session adjourned on the Senate side. You know, I think big picture, what we'll see Um, is some movement towards adult use. You know, after the referendum, I think that will pass with flying colors. I suspect that the House and Senate members will want to start working together on things to ensure that we have a very safe market that we'll be transitioning into. We've got a work group on the House side that is working diligently to explore a lot of different things and how adult use will roll out. You know, I think it'll get some traction. It probably won't move this session, but next session it'll probably move. And we'll probably, I think, be looking at um, a 2025 program rollout. I don't know, Mackie, if you'd agree with that timeline. I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit more bullish these days. And before I forget, Forward Grow is the other founding member. But there you I go. Really, yeah, yes. I haven't had my coffee yet. Um, and so, no, I'm actually, there's been a sentiment shift, I think, recently in the legislature for two reasons. Is One is home grow and decriminalization hits summer of 23. 
And I think there's now a light bulb has gone off in the House and the Senate understanding they've got to provide access faster to adult use cannabis. So I believe that we're going to see adult use probably sometime in the back half of 23 or the first half of Define adult use for my audience. Yeah. So adult use or recreational use means that you can walk into any cannabis store with an ID, 21 or above, and be able to purchase cannabis without a medical card. Um, But it won't be Royal Farms. It'll just be at a cannabis space, right? This is dedicated space. For you Not yet. We're probably 20 years away from right. farms, uh, <laughs> probably, uh, would be my guess. But uh, yeah, so anybody 21 and up, doesn't matter if you're a Maryland resident or not, you can just stroll right into the store and, and purchase cannabis. And that's the way it should be. The way you buy alcohol, you show your ID, you're good. You're, you're old enough. A hundred percent. And I believe the future of cannabis will be run by the alcohol industry. I think, you know, it, it's a commodity-based brand lifestyle product. And I really do see these industries merging over the next 20 years. Wow. Wow, I've never heard that. It, I, I, not that that's revolutionary, but I never thought of it that way. And certainly never heard anybody talk yeah. about it in that way. Yeah, that would be my guess. If I had to act, you know, a lot of people are always like, oh, it's the tobacco companies and the pharmaceutical companies. I don't believe that's the case. I believe if you look at the business model, it's very akin to the alcohol industry from a marketing brand commodity perspective. Well, I know plenty of people with cards and people that said edibles and things were coming online here. I want to talk about people dying on the street from drugs with both of you. And what we're trying to bring under the tent here is that it, to your point, way better in so many ways than the way it was 10 or 15 years ago, because you're here, because it's taxed and all of that. But just what we're seeing on the streets and death and opioid. And I know both of you have seen a lot of that. And I've talked to a lot of folks in Annapolis. The the big picture, Christina, you getting involved here and and meeting patients and people working with you. This is just a better industry than maybe what we could have dreamed it to be 10 years ago when you were doing what you were doing then. I would say so. And I think you talked about sort of eliminating the stigma, um, uh, uh, you know, in this sector, outside of the sector, really, with people that understand I think this is really all about education and starting the discussion about the benefits of cannabis. I think most people um, sort of are rooted in a, in a, in a misinformed history of what cannabis is and what it can do. And so I think we start with education. I think that's going to be paramount for any business owner coming into the sector. Um, And we have to share our experiences and the stories that people have with its healing power. Um, you know, I, I find, and maybe that's because I'm in the sector <laughs> and I'm surrounded people that are pretty by the by people that are pretty educated. I find that a lot of folks understand the benefits of the cannabinoids in the plant. Um, they understand the difference between indica and sativa, but I know that broadly that's not the case. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us to sort of just continue to educate and talk about you know, why cannabis can be used for medicinal purposes and how it can be used safely for, for you know, adult use purposes. Well, I appreciate both of you educating me. I don't do a lot of segments on it, but when I do, I learn and I get wisdom and uh, figure out where we are. Mackie, thanks for the time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being a good neighbor to uh, to my business uh, and everything we've done downtown as well. I've seen your space. Christine, I hope to, to make your acquaintance somewhere off soon, uh, somewhere down the line. You guys eat crab cakes? I mean, you should come have a crab cake with me sometime. Love to have a crab cake with you sometime. You can do that. Cambridge, Maryland. I, I've been through there. We've all been through there on the way to Ocean City. I'm going to be uh, from Cambridge uh, out to Cumberland, from Oakland to Ocean City. Uh, we're going statewide back and forth through Frederick and Hagerstown and Southern Maryland. Uh, we're going to be 31 crab cakes, 31 days and 31 breweries because 
I got thirsty last summer. It's all brought to you by the Maryland Lottery in conjunction with our friends at Goodwill, Window Nation, and the Restaurant Association of Maryland, reminding you, Restaurant Week coming up in September. Mackie, big appreciation to you, Christina. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for the education. Uh, it was time well spent. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, You got it. Mackie Barch from Calta and Christina Johnson from uh, Standard uh, Standard Wellness Maryland talking about the cannabis space. Big shout out to our friends, uh, Damon and everybody at KO and Zach for putting that together and CanMD uh, working hard out there and uh, answer a lot of questions for my wife on the program today and I appreciate that. Anytime I can teach her something, I know I'm doing something. I am Nestor. We are WNST AM 1570 Taos in Baltimore. We never stop talking. Crab cakes and cannabis and Baltimore positive. Stay with us. <laughs> 